spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 231st annual Subliminal Deception podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm your pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Enjoying the crisp, only almost 40 degrees, which is a complete 180 from what it was last week. Rained all weekend, but it's starting to warm up a little bit now, so kind of enjoying that. Have you been watching the football? Ah, uh, yes, I have. Um, yep. Almost over for the year. I'm the more that how the games end and the conspiracies involving like the logo of the Super Bowl, which yes. ironically has two team colors in it that are currently playing this weekend. And if they both get to the Super Bowl, we're going to, I don't know, I'm, I'm just going to be like, this shit is, something is fucked up. That will be our Super Bowl episode if they both make it. Uh, <laughs> that'll be four years in a row now. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, and then I saw something today that they just did an emergency switch to this one ref who has a record of like helping a certain team win. I can't remember <laughs> if it's the home or the away team. What are we watching anymore? Yeah, the record is helping uh, Vegas. Yeah. Not only Vegas, but the betting sites now. It's more the betting sites now than it is Vegas. People just call it Vegas for the betting. But yeah, it's pretty much if you look on Instagram at all and your like algorithm kind of points towards college for, or pro football, you're going to see all of the bad ref calls throughout the season. Yeah. I've been seeing that so much since the start of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you quick before I forget, did you see the alleged alien jellyfish video that's been going around no i did not okay well after the show you should look it up it's allegedly i can't remember where they are maybe in iraq and it's some type of camera that's tracking this thing that kind of looks like a flying jellyfish and allegedly it like dips in the water and then shoots off at a high rate of speed but it also could be a smudge on the camera. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are talking about this alien jellyfish. If I had a gun to my head and had to make a bet, I would go the ladder, yeah. probably, or a little CGI yeah. action. Yeah, but, a lot yeah, of lots of uh, lots of those videos coming out right around now. That's so, what I was just then, gonna say. A lot of alien shit right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, we are getting to the 2024 election so something big has to kind of happen to really shake shit up kind of hold us you know <laughs> put us back in our place so who knows what's going to happen but maybe aliens you know maybe sickness again who knows it um yeah the the chinese lab that made that variant of covid that has a hundred percent mortality rate <laughs> i don't know why you made that Stop making that, please. <laughs> Why are you making that? It just takes one slip up, and then that is just wiping out populations. 
the same reason why BlackRock is eating up all of the real estate. They do it for the money. All right. I did hear <laughs> they were trying to pass a bill that wouldn't allow corporations to buy properties. I did see that. That would be great. I, I did, would love that. I don't know if it passed. You know, there's probably a lot of lobbyists there. But I did hear they were trying to pass it so companies are not allowed to buy homes anymore, which would be great for the fucking people who want to own a goddamn house now. Yeah, the problem is you have all these people who already own homes who love looking on Zillow and seeing how how high up their the, the supposed value of their home, the Zestimate, you could say. <laughs> Zestimate. So, um, Zillow, the Zestimate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I did want to say one thing. I had a note on my door when I came home Friday. They were apparently doing the, I thought it was more like a yearly roach treatment, but then I read into it a little bit more and they were, looked like they were going to do like, they were going to blast my whole apartment for roaches. And I was thinking, oh God, one of my neighbors must have like really bad roaches because I've only, I did find one dead one the past weekend, but that's all I had found. So basically, okay. I ripped apart my apartment. I raided every, you know, all of the baseboards, you know, everywhere that they might go. I did find uh, two more dead ones. Okay. It, it turns out, though, they are not doing like all the apartments in certain areas. So what I'm kind of pissed about is apparently they just did my apartment. So all of the apartments in these buildings, there's about there's like eight on each side. So yeah. You know, 16 total. And then all of the buildings are split up. It's that style of apartment. Like like you see in a lot of like the Phoenix Metro. So basically what they're doing is they're picking one apartment and then they're putting all of the bait in that one apartment, trying to get all of the roaches from the building into that one apartment so that they all die. So basically I'm like the <laughs> sacrificial lamb. <laughs> so they are luring all the roaches to your domicile in hopes that yes. there will be a Jonestown level roach massacre. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I hope hopefully these things don't come all at once. It's not like a Pittsburgh situation where it's just <laughs> fucking <laughs> cockroaches everywhere. But yeah, I don't know. It's I'm a little bit pissed, though, because from what I was told, they were going to be doing all of the apartments in my building and then kind of like nuking the whole place. No, it's not that at all. They don't want to. And then the guy even told me because I showed him the the raid that I was using. He's like, oh, don't use that because we don't want the roaches to get repelled. We want the, to attract them here. And that's when I kind of figured out like, oh, you fuckers, you're going to have them all come here. Is this so I'm going to be the one with fucking roaches crawling on my you're going to instead of Joe's apartment, it's going to be Phil's apartment. You remember that movie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so is this on the outside of your house or inside? Inside. So I was going to tell you the reason why I had to clean my desk. Up. I had to move all of my shit out of my bathroom, my kitchen and my closet. All of that shit had to go either on the bed or in the living room. So every single every single dish and pot pan, all the food had to go into my living room. So that's why I was able to clean up my kitchen so well was because it's completely empty. So is this roach shit still there? Yeah, they put little dabs of it all over the place. So you should have told them like, I don't know. You're not doing that here or you better give me Dude. some fucking discount on my monthly rent. I had no idea until the guy let it slip 
that I was the only one getting the treatment and that we didn't want to repel the roaches. We wanted to attract them here. I didn't get any fucking idea of that. I think. So, and know, also, when you live in an apartment, you're kind of beholden to whatever they want. Yes, so. but you said you're not doing nice guy no more. This I'm is not. A- that's why I'm taking all of that raid that I bought cooking my fucking baseboards once again. <laughs> that shit's not coming in here. <laughs> I don't know, man. Fuck, I'd be fuck like there. <laughs> fuck them trying to bring all those roaches in. I'm going to fucking it's not going to be a safe what? environment. Who the fuck wants a pile of dead roaches in their apartment? Well, the the idea is that they come, they grab the food, they bring it back to the nest, and then they kill the nest. That's the idea. The problem is they have to come into my apartment first, and then okay. kill all the rest of them. So, well, the only thing I can think is if you're like one of the only people without a pet, maybe. But um, that is possible. I am one of the only people living here who doesn't have a dog. That's probably why they chose you then. That's all. Everyone around me has at least either a cat or a dog. That's a good or a kid. That's a good <laughs> yeah. You don't want the kid eating the roach bait. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're all equally a nuisance. But yeah. Let's get into this. All right. Let's. We've go. been talking long enough. All right, then, Phil, take it away. This week, I wanted to go and do a little bit of a different direction than I had been taking lately. Taking a slight break. From the kick of doom and gloom and serial killers that I had been on lately, you know, the holidays. (laughs) And shine a little bit of a light on a lesser known close encounter out of 1970s South America. A story in which, after going cold for nearly three decades, has gained a lot of momentum in the past few years. Even being the subject of an internationally acclaimed documentary in 2018. Now, Cody... As two young bucks that grew up on the farms of Iowa, we know better than most how boring and mundane the solitary life of a farm kid truly can be. However, for the young man in our story today, his morning duties would take an incredible turn, as he would allegedly witness and even meet a being of unknown origin. Okay, so is he meeting a city folk? Is that what this is about? He's never <laughs> seen someone from a big city before? No, um, I was just thinking, actually. My God, that lady's wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> what are Janko jeans, ma'am? Um, <laughs> no, I was thinking you're like, uh, we know the boring and mundane solidarity life, right, of a farm yeah. kid, and as adults... We also enjoy the boring and mundane solitary life <laughs> as people in cities now. So uh, once you're in there, it just kind of never leaves. It's strange how uh, full circle it did come. I always hated the end of the school year because I knew I had to spend three months on a farm every single day. And now that's such a dream of mine to just have <laughs> nothing to do for three months straight. <laughs> that would be great. You know, honestly, uh, maybe this is more... Because of an introverted side, but like when you have the certain people who it's they're like physically incapable of just relaxing. Let's take it easy. Watch some TV or movie or something stupid at home. Right. And they're like, no, I got to go do something. We got to do something. Let's go do something like that shit drives me nuts. Yeah, there's the fear of them looking inward, basically. Yeah. That's yeah. what I always think. Yeah. Like, oh, God, you're, <laughs> you're afraid of even a moment of retrospective thinking. Yeah. Or introspective thinking, yeah. I should say. Honestly, you're not wrong. They uh, Their inner voice starts talking, and they get fucking terrified. 
Definitely. Oh, getting on to this. On September 6, 1978, Juan Oscar Perez, 12 years old at the time, was living on a ranch just outside of Venano Tuerto, Argentina, uh, south of Santa Fe. He is told by his father that he needed to go out to the pastures to gather up their herd of horses and bring them back to stable. Juan, while riding out to the herd on horseback, began to see strange, circular objects flying over his head, shining vibrant, multicolored lights through the extremely thick morning fog. Hardly able to keep control of his horse, which had become spooked by all of the flashing lights, the two would bolt back for home. But after hearing his son's fantastical story of the lights and circular objects in the sky, Juan's father, of course, scolded the boy and sent his ass right back out into the fog to retrieve those horses. Dad ain't got time for that bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I was like, why is a 12-year-old galloping out to collect horses? And then I remembered like Amish kids at five years old yep. probably get put on a horse to go round up other horses um but uh but yeah i it's interesting because it'd be like would this be hard to see if it was foggy you would assume so yeah well apparently so from i watched a lot of kind of videos and reenactments of this especially uh the the documentary that i was talking about has a reenactment of this this scene this situation it's kind of like the the circular objects are only able to be seen like right when they fly over his head and the lights are coming through the fog so you know how okay. your headlights kind of illuminate the fog in yeah. front of you yeah that's kind of what it looked like in the reenactment okay so. was the reenactment like literally the best reenactment you've ever seen in your life as far as reenactments go for documentaries it was not bad okay so i will that's say it wasn't you know, it, the the corniness of Unsolved Mysteries, you know, uh, it was not that. This was actually kind of theatrical in some way. I love the reenactments where they just play that um, generic scream. Um, mm. <laughs> that <laughs> They have a name for that specific recording of a scream, but it like it could be a woman and it's very clearly a man screaming. Um, yep. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's two of which that I know. There's the one where, oh, it's in Star Wars, when somebody, like, falls down to their death. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's been in every single movie, every action movie throughout fucking decades now. There's also Gangland, of course, whenever ah, <laughs> they're yeah. telling the story of a gang. Yep, yep, ah! yep, ah! <laughs> yep, I know exactly. <laughs> Bring Gangland back. That was so good. Uh, that was a great show. But, yeah, this is, uh, I should also say, too, so we talked a little bit about it before we began recording. Juan Perez is actually an extremely common name. It is like I, I was reading that it is the equivalent of John Doe. Yeah. Kind of like Spanish cultures. Uh, all of the Spanish articles that I was reading um, after translating, of course, hitting the translate button for English. It always said that his name was Juan Perez. And then in little parentheses, it said, Yes, that is his name. Like it's not a <laughs> fake name. It's as if you were reading a story and the character's name was John Doe. That's exactly gotcha. what like Juan Perez is. So if they find in Latin America, if they find a unidentified male body, they're gonna put this is Juan Perez. <laughs> basically, yeah. Juan and then his sister Juanita, basically. Ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, right? yeah. Juanita. I love that. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it is kind of funny. And it also, I, I kind of highlighted it down at the bottom. It made Googling this story very hard. I would imagine. There were so there were so many Google searches, and you basically had to get like Juan Oscar Perez, Argentina, UFO, 1978. You had to put all that into the algorithm just to get his stuff filtered to the top. Yeah. So. Yeah. People, little known fact for you uh, listeners out there, this show, you have to get quite detailed with mm. your searches. If you want to find the weird shit, we have to look up. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by Google. That's basically all podcast. True. So. Very true. Now, even though I did have some trouble, you know, finding this story through the algorithms, I actually did find quite a few articles kind of telling the story. I will say a lot of the articles tell pretty much the same story, though in the documentary with the reenactments, this all kind of happens around maybe what looks like hypnotic regression therapy. Basically, Juan Perez is giving his accounts like during the documentary. And I kind of at first thought it was fake hypnosis, but there was a fly that was basically like setting up a home on his arm and he didn't even flinch. So I'm thinking it, it might have been real. The documentary Witness of Another World has some slight differences from all of the Internet articles that you would read. So what I'm first going to do, here's my plan. I'm going to give you the kind of the account that all of the articles give you. And then I'm going to give the slight differences that came from the like hypnotic regression session uh, from the documentary. Okay. Um, all right. That uh, This is a, a, a problem I have definitely noticed before. Article versus documentary dedicated to X, Y, and Z subject can differentiate yeah and here's also i have a theory on why it's so much different than kind of the account that juan's giving now so juan told his story when he was still a teenager back in the early early 1980s he then went completely he didn't get a let's say he didn't get a very good reception for his story he went completely cold after that uh, solitary life for the better part of three decades. So basically his story has just kind of been retold by different people and kind of copy pasted from other articles. So I'm thinking that it kind of grew up without him is what happened. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. There's also another theory that maybe he doesn't quite remember the story that he told when he was younger. So it's a little bit different now. There's also that theory that I have. So I'll try to keep, I'm going to keep it open-minded here. Okay, perfect. So heading back out on his trusty horse after being yelled at by his father, Juan would soon reach the same area that had spooked his horse before. Though, instead of the strange objects and lights overhead, he now found only one of these vehicles, which had landed on the ground directly in front of him. He even claimed, because of its shape, that he thought it looked like a big house. Now, this craft was basically what you're thinking of. The classic saucer-shaped UFO, with a large dome on top, uh, portholes all around the circumference of the dome, the entire vehicle glowing bright white. So this craft was, initially the craft was not um, on the ground, correct? Yeah, so when he first rode out there, the UFOs were flying overhead, or whatever they were. Uh, There's also some speculation that they were some kind of spirits or whatnot. Um, (laughs) The crafts were flying over his head, uh, shining the lights through the fog. 
When he got out there the second time, there was just one, and it was landed on the ground. Okay. All right. Perfect. I got you. So now he's just kind of galloped his little pony up to this, and I got to imagine he is not really sure what the fuck he's looking at. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's <laughs> it'd be quite an experience. The one thing that I'm I was kind of trying to look for but didn't find much. Uh, Veneto Tuerto is they call it a city. It looks more like a town if you kind of look it up. Um, a, a a bigger town. I'm not quite so sure about the sci-fi kind of contamination in Argentina in 1978. Um, we we will talk about. There's a lot of tropes he uses in his story that you're going to find right away. Ah, so. okay. Like you're saying, like, let's just take the Roswell incident, for example. You're saying maybe it's unlikely this part of the world would have heard of something like that or like some sci-fi movie or X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? Here's my thing. So in America at this time, everyone's watching Star Wars. It's 1978. Yeah. That's kind of the current... That's the modern sci-fi of the time. I'm wondering if the sci-fi that was filtering down into Argentina wasn't more of the 1950s, 1960s kind of sci-fi. Okay, yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, that would make more sense. Yeah, for especially what I'm going to, you know, the story that Juan kind of tells, it does make sense. And then you're going to see some of like the artist depictions of what he claims to have seen. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> so, Okay, can't wait to hear it. Now, as Juan looked on, a large door on the craft opened. Emerging through the opening was a seven foot tall being wearing clothing that resembled a metallic full bodied hazmat suit. It shimmered with long boots, long gloves and a metal helmet in front of the helmet. There was a tube extending out of what looked like a mouthpiece. This led all the way back to the vessel below the door. Juan described a ladder that extended downwards towards the ground coming to a rest in front of him. Okay, yes. Um, this is either Shaquille O'Neal handling nuclear um, <laughs> residue or this is a sci-fi alien. <laughs> That's got to be Paul Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> See, Andre never really died. He just uh, went to outer space and put on this weird-ass fucking outfit, I guess. Uh, seven foot yeah. tall, though. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Tall whites are... About that big, right? Yeah. So you will get kind of an idea what this might be when he describes it a little further later okay. on. I mean, there are a lot of depictions of aliens being super tall, uh, the tall whites. And then there's the, the, the smart grays, which are said to be taller as well. The smart grays? The scientists. Okay. Ah, okay. I got gotcha. you. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've just never, I don't remember ever hearing smart grays. Like there's a dumb gray and a smart gray. Like, but well, the, now the little grays are supposed to be like the worker bees, like the dumb ones, and yeah. then the smart ones are the taller ones. Gotcha. Okay. So you think? Yeah. If this was a gray, this would be a smart one. The tubing leading into the ship that they cannot breathe our atmosphere. Yes. So this kind of goes along with my theory of maybe 1950s, 60s sci-fi contamination. Because you yeah. scroll down a little bit. Yep, I see her. See that big boy right yeah. there standing tall? 
Yeah, and then uh, there's some other things too. So it's it's very much a saucer-shaped UFO, just like you may have seen from 50s and 60s. Gotcha, so, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now Juan, after being beckoned into the craft by the giant bean, approached the ladder and tied the reins of his horse to it. He would ascend the rungs to the top, entering the vessel. Once inside, he found a myriad of blinking lights and buttons and the tall bean that had beckoned him inside. When Juan reached out to touch the bean and to his surroundings, something kind of described like a force field stopped his hands from moving forward. Also inside the room was a robot who at the time was dismantling a large animal, either a horse or a cow. Now this is supposed to have frightened Juan, uh, making him turn around and flee out the door jumping down to the ground below. I mean, if you saw a fucking robot butcher uh, chopping up an animal, I think that would be pretty fucking scary. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, maybe here's the weird thing, though. Think about a 12 year old ranch kid living in, you know, living out on the range, kind of. He's probably seen quite a few animals being dismantled in his day. So yeah. I'm thinking it might be more the robot because at first when I thought about it, I was thinking, oh, he probably saw the all the guts and everything and that scared him. And I was thinking to myself, like, no, it's probably the robot because <laughs> if he's a ranch kid, he's seen. I mean, hell, by the time I was 12 years old, I had seen pigs, cows, chicken, you yeah. know, what I mean? cleaning yeah. all those animals. Yeah. So not to mention hunting. Do you think it's a little weird? He wouldn't have been scared of either the craft the fucking giant ass man with a oxygen tank on or whatever, yep. or going into a weird ship that just landed there. No, it was the robot that scared him. Yeah, it was the robot butcher that was a bridge too far. Yeah. 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 That... So I will mention this. These are from all of the articles that you were reading. Uh, okay. It makes a little bit more sense when you kind of get the hypnotic regression therapy kind of rendition of it from the documentary. That makes a little bit more sense. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yep, but we're gonna use the we're doing the common story first. Okay, so, and Perfect. if you scroll down a little bit more, you'll see the robot right there. Very much a 1950s, 1960s kind of sci-fi robot. Yeah, um, looks like something out of Futurama. To be honest with you. Oh, definitely like Bender. Yeah, when Bender gets crunched <laughs> down. It looks like how those old sci-fi movies used to make robot aliens out of like trash cans and old appliances it's exactly what it looks like yeah absolutely now juan perez would be followed out the vehicle by the tall bean and while on the ground the boy would ask the giant for a simple favor if he could have just some evidence of his otherworldly encounter the bean would oblige and removed his long glove and handed it over to juan now after taking the glove juan had noticed that the bean had a claw-like hand with scaly green skin and blue metallic fingernails. Okay, we know who this is. This is Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, the reptilians, right? Definitely. I was going to say, I think I might have met a girl like this bar the other night, but... <laughs> Did she have fucking leprosy or what, Phil? Is there a lepers at the bar you hang out at? No, it was a it was a joke. The metallic fingernails. Ah, I thought you were saying the, the green chicks, hand. All the chicks who have like the five inch fingernails. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I I'm gonna be real with you guys. I did not see the reptilian angle coming in. 
Yeah. So that kind of uh, that took me for a loop too, because I definitely thought it was going to be uh, like a gray underneath that, you know, like the tall, the tall grays, like the scientist. I did not expect it to be a reptilian. So what if, okay, I'm just speculating here. The reptilian simply had the kid come in the ship to scare him because allegedly they feed off the psychic fear, whatever wavelengths humans produce. So he just needed a little pick me up, scare the kid, get a little juice from him. And then he's going to head into wherever he's going. Yeah, I don't know. It's so you kind of do hear a little bit about kind of the aliens doing the telepathic kind of speaking, um, like a, trying to calm, calm their victims down. Yeah. Um, trying to make them more, you know, compliant. So that's kind of what it seemed like until with this story, at least Juan saw the butcher and kind of got freaked out by a robot carving up an animal. I mean, so, okay. The being has not, um, like, uh, communicated with him really, right? Just hand gestures. Well, it it does sound like it's communicating. I didn't get a really good grip on it actually talking. It doesn't seem like it's really like speaking out loud, though. Okay. It does kind of communicate and he can understand it is the thing. OK, OK, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, especially during the documentary. Not really much during the like in the articles. It doesn't say anything really about like communication in the documentary. It does talk. He does talk a little bit more about it communicating with him. Okay. All right. Let's. Well, I'll come back to that question when we get to that part. Okay. As Juan inspected the glove, the tall bean reached out his hand and pierced the skin on his right upper arm. This frightened Juan, causing him to run back, mount his horse, and race off back for home. He, at the time, was still clutching that long metallic glove. Though Juan wouldn't make it back to the ranch with his prize, as two smaller UFOs would trail behind him catch up and suck the glove out from his grasp with it said it being pulled out kind of like if it was a magnet pulling on it okay that kind of so so clearly they did not want him (laughs) to have this glove yeah they did not want uh humanity to be contaminated by uh the alien you know the metallic glove tech i could it could or to have any kind of evidence and this is kind of a, is a little bit of a, maybe call it a trope, but this is kind of common, well, let's say, in these UFO encounter, alien encounter, where they give them some kind of evidence, but then they take it back at the last second. Yeah. Usually it's like a book yeah. or a map yeah. or information technology, something like that. So then technically the person had evidence, but the evidence was stolen from them by the people who gave it to them. Yeah, that's what it seems like in this account as well. Uh, Juan would have had physical evidence of that alien, but it was taken back from him before he could escape. Okay. You know, it kind of reminds me maybe to the aliens, like sometimes like an animal will run off with something of yours. Um, (laughs) Maybe the aliens were like, hey, you little shit, come back here with my fucking glove. (laughs) Like that commercial. Uh, it's a car commercial where the bird steals the phone and they have to chase yeah, it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a video today of a squirrel. It was a guy who was golfing and it was a squirrel who stole his pack of cigarettes and ran off. <laughs> and he was chasing after the squirrel trying to get him back. 
<laughs> yeah, we used to have a friend in high school, Matt used to do the same exact Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a wily one. Um he used to run off of them cigarettes and you couldn't get him back from them. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> now, as I mentioned before, Juan Perez's recollection of the events during the documentary and its hypnotic regression therapy differs from the internet accounts. The difference that I had seen was that after entering the craft, Juan didn't leave because he was frightened of the robot performing the animal mutilation. Instead, Juan, he does recount seeing the robot carving up the animal, but he kind of tells of the bean claiming that it needed to leave and that they could no longer stay. In the documentary's reenactment, it seems like Juan jumped out of the craft because the door was shutting behind him. And that's how they had the reenactment. Basically, he sees the door sliding shut behind him and he runs out at that moment. Kind of like it seems like he was a little worried that he was going to get abducted there or they were telling him to leave and he was getting out. Okay, so that's kind of a differing telling of the story from the articles and the documentary. I, I mean, I'm kind of wondering. So you said the documentary is more focused on what he says in the current day, correct? Yes. So the they they chased him down. They found him in Argentina, and um, the director of the documentary kind of like lives with him for a couple of days. It seems like, and kind of gains his trust and gets him to like tell the story, tell you know what happened afterwards, all the problems that he's had since then. Uh, kind of a, a a full on you know, it's almost more about his life than it is about that one day. Okay. Okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So I wonder why. I mean, that's a pretty big difference, right? Like, yeah, between getting scared of an anime, animal mutilation and them either trying to abduct him and or telling him to get off and he wouldn't. So they started closing the door on him. Yeah. So this happened. Um, this was all kind of told like while he was in hypnosis. I don't know. The problem with hypnosis, of course, is you can lead someone yeah. um, with the yeah. questions. Maybe you're not even having them tell the real story. You're kind of having them tell you what you want to hear. You can kind of manipulate people through hypnosis. Yeah. So I mean, really, if they hypno- hyp- <laughs> hypnotize me, I mean, they could probably lead me into a story where I finger bang Queen Elizabeth or something like <laughs> Clearly, that's never happened, but you could probably shift it into that sector if you re- if it's a really skilled person at hypnosis. Yeah, and I did have a little bit of a problem with some of the questions that he was being asked uh, during the hypnosis therapy. They weren't really kind of just like, what happened next? What happened next? They were more like, explain to me this or explain to me that, which makes you kind of, you know like elaborate on things that might not need elaborate, you know, you mean like possibly making up things like they asked him, did Diego cheat during the world cup uh, and poison the, the other people's water so he could score a goal. Are you saying a question like that? Potentially. Okay. Isn't that his name? Diego (laughs) Mar. I have no fucking idea. The holy water, the holy water thing, Diego. Oh, you covered it on a different show. Where they think he uh, he's like a really good soccer player, but they think he poisoned the other team's drink uh, so they could win the World Cup. Oh, if that did. Honestly, if I didn't do the episode 
three weeks, I'm not going to. So <laughs> I think his name. They all, they all jumble into each other. I, I think his name's Diego Maradona, maybe, or something like that. Argentinian player. I, that's all I know. But uh, continue on here. Okay. So next, after the giant gave Juan the glove, the reenactment shows the bean grab his arm. Uh, in the articles, this is kind of where um, the bean stabs his arm and seems like he takes a blood sample. But in the reenactment, grabbing his arm transports the two of them to some kind of like other world or other plane of existence, taking him to where his deceased grandfather supposedly lived. Next, showing Juan a dark storm cloud forming over the horizon, to which Juan took as some kind of warning for the end of the earth. It was during this exchange that Juan's right arm seems to have been pierced by the bean's fingernail. Is this guy got fucking like DMT all over his skin or what? Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. that's pretty vivid. It also makes sense for the story of why the bean took off his glove. Not to give him evidence, but because he had to touch Juan to okay. kind of like transport. Also, too... You do hear about people having encounters with aliens and them kind of like clouding your perception of reality. So you think you're somewhere else, too. So, oh, oh, I see. Like maybe, you know, he has the ability when they touch you to affect the human brain in some way. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in the reenactment, basically the area around them kind of starts to swirl and transform. All of a sudden his grandfather shows up behind him and there's all of this kind of like, it's almost like he's in the spirit world at that point. Okay. So I will say this documentary is like heavy into kind of South American lore, spiritualism, that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's, it's a little bit, more kind of foofy than I thought it would be. <laughs> they go pretty heavy. They also talk to some, uh, basically like um, in the community, they have these shaman-like figures who are said to like have the gift, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, they talk about kind of what he's going through and they claim that like he's one of them. So, so it's a little, it's a little weird. It's very spiritual. They're claiming that these aren't aliens. These are more like spiritual beings from a different plane of existence. Okay. I got you. Um. So, okay. So, did the alien awaken said ability in him, or did he just already have it? Yes, we will get into it later. Okay. But okay. This is uh, this is a very big moment. Okay. When it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay. So. All right. Let's hear it. Now, combining these back together, without the bean's glove, the only evidence that Juan would actually have for the events that had taken place was the cut caused by the bean's fingernail. A scar, which he still has to this day, as a scene in the documentary shows. Now, besides the scar, Juan also claims that he left that encounter changed in a much different way. As Juan alleges that since September 6, 1978, he has had the gift of premonition, including one he shared in a YouTube interview with Johanan Diaz Vargas, in which he claims to have had a premonition for a near-miss asteroid over South America. Supposedly, this asteroid will come close enough that it disrupts the tides and causes a massive amount of flooding on Earth. So, okay. I didn't actually get to hear that one because it's in Spanish, but I read about it. So, um, because of this premonition, did he build a giant boat 
start collecting two of every animal. Um, and not quite. Okay. All right. And then um, punish his son because he looked at his penis or something. Isn't that how the story goes? One of Noah's sons looked at him naked and cursed him or something. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know too much about that, but uh, I will say, um, like I mentioned before, so. Juan kind of lived in solitude for like 30 years. So mostly he just kind of hung out with his animals and on his ranches and whatnot. So he didn't uh, No, he he wasn't too busy building the boat. Okay. So I wonder if you had this ability to see premonitions of terrible things happening. (laughs) Fuck, I don't want that. But I wonder if there was like a time when this was supposed to happen or if it was just like a, you know, generic it could happen between now and 10,000 years from now. Yeah, everything. So the timelines seemingly are very kind of uh, generic, not really specific. Obviously, he's not giving dates for all of this. No, he no. kind of he kind of gives a time frame of like happening in the next decade. OK, so, OK. Yeah, and this is one of those. from this is from a very modern uh premonition right so uh from 2018 to 2028 this could happen well i'm not exactly sure when so he's telling the story of this premonition that he had i'm not sure of when he had the premonition if it's going to happen within a decade of the premonition or him telling it so it's it's one of those deals where it's like it's going to happen in like a decade okay sort of deal okay yeah all right all right, sounds good. Now, seemingly, alien encounters and the gift of dream premonitions run in Juan Perez's family, as his mother also claimed to have had a UFO encounter of her own when she was also 12 years old. This ignited her own gift for premonitions. She claimed that while out walking her dogs one day, strange lights began appearing in the sky. Later on, her dog would disappear, never to be seen again, and this sparked whatever was lurking inside of her to give her these premonitions. Okay, now as we know, um, kids never copy their parents um, when they're young at all. So the fact that he's 12 and she's 12, Juan, you should have just maybe excluded this part from your story potentially yeah especially if you heard for 12 years your mother telling this story and why she has these that you know you're hearing all about these premonitions and why she has them maybe you want to feel special as well does does his horse disappear his horse uh we'll actually get into that in a little bit okay all right excellent because I, I have a, I don't see it, okay? But I have a feeling the poor horsey is going to have a similar story to said dog. Yes. Uh, you are astute. Because in the <laughs> next paragraph, hopefully you didn't read forward. No, 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 no. Strange, <laughs> strangely enough, after the encounter, the horse that wanted rode out to the pasture that day became mysteriously ill and died just a few days later. And there it is, Phil. I just got to say, I'm feeling like Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind right now, putting them pieces together. <laughs> Fucking turning it up to 11 podcast yeah. mode. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. I just, I just, I saw that paragraph about his mom and I'm like, he's going to have an identical story to his mother. 
Yeah, I actually did not even think about this or make this connection. So that's a good catch. Um, yeah, I'm guessing he. I I I'm not I'm I'm not speculating or nothing here or not. I'm just saying. I'm guessing he does not have children of his own. No, he does not. He is okay. very much a bachelor. Okay, yeah. all uh, right. He's uh he's what they call a a gaucho. Uh, it's like a <laughs> South American cowboy kind of, and he's basically a ranch hand for the last like thirty years. So he's like ranch to ranch, very much living on his own with his dogs. So no, he has no children. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I guess the ladies. We're not fascinated by his story and came crawling to find this gaucho. He might be a little bit more popular with the ladies now yeah. that he's gained. Yeah. His notoriety has turned to fame uh, in okay. recent right. years. Not so much. So it hasn't really gone north of the equator. Um, it kind of went under the radar. We had a lot of stuff going on during 2018. It's hard to get anything in the news cycle. It was all Trump and then all COVID. Yeah. So. <laughs> definitely the thing is uh i will say during the uh, in the documentary the reenactment so apparently like juan was noticing that his horse was injured and the alien did touch the horse's head in the reenactment from the documentary so Uh-oh. basically that wasn't in any of the articles it was just that the horse died i hope so, that poor horsey didn't go to the spirit realm and see his grandfather horse uh, as well, <laughs> that horse also saw his grandfather just yeah. kind of eating, yeah. eating grass, <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> now, after returning home, Juan would tell his story, of course. However, he would not be believed by most. And after gaining a considerable amount of notoriety in his local Argentina, Juan Perez would begin to disassociate himself from his friends, family, and neighbors. He would go on to live his life for the next three decades as a traveling ranch hand, like I mentioned before, finding comfort in a solitary life, away from the ridicule that he had faced after the strangest day of his life. In fact, it wasn't until he was tracked down for the making of said documentary that Juan would eventually return to his childhood village and face his former tormentors, uh, which is really the focus of the last half of Witness of Another World. Yeah, unfortunately, we have heard this kind of path that UFO or alien witnesses or experiencers kind of take after they come out with their experience. They're kind of ridiculed, mocked, and forced into away from everybody, more or less, to avoid all the ridicule. Yeah, definitely. So in the documentary, they make a point of talking to the village elders, like, as this is happening. And the village elders are very much saying, like, we made sure that we welcomed him back with open arms. Everyone was very nice to him. We never left him alone for even a minute. Like, he always had someone around him going out fishing. And, you know, in the village, they had, like, a little kind of a, uh, a party for him it seemed like so they uh they really like welcomed him back you know that kind of situation made him feel at home uh for someone who's living a solitary life though you would think that would drive honestly if i had been living alone for 30 years and then people threw me a party even right now i'm not a fan of parties for me so <laughs> yeah it would be a little weird where it's like i don't know i guess you felt so isolated from everybody 
and now all of a sudden a whole fucking town is like throwing you a bash yeah exactly well you gotta think too a lot of the people who probably gave him the most shit are like dead yeah you know what i mean like a lot of the adults probably (laughs) it looks like um kind of a rough life out there well i mean he's got to be 60 or older now right he is ooh, born in what 66 yep 66 yeah he, yeah, so he, I think he, he yeah, he is uh, pretty up there. Yeah. He might be 58 cuz my mom is born or my dad or sorry. My mom is born in 62 and she is 62 or 3 now. So mm, yeah, okay. he's got to be almost 60. Yeah, she would be 62, so he's almost 60. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. like 58ish. Yeah. Depending on when his birthday is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, besides the initial meetings with the aliens at the age of 12, Juan claims to have actually had many more sightings of these strange lights and crafts since 1978. Uh, Since that documentary was actually released, his solitude kind of came to an end. Juan Oscar Perez has given many more interviews and recounted more of his premonitions and contacts with supernatural beings. Sadly, though, as I mentioned, most of these interviews are in Spanish. I had a, I had a hard time kind of like finding the transcripts for the videos with subtitles. Really? So, obviously, okay. podcasts don't come with subtitles if they're no. audio. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, I guess if I was Juan, I would try to come to America and just do the UFO tours that people do, uh, speaking tours, you know, there's probably plenty of weird UFO ladies, uh, that would gladly, uh, be with him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He could be cleaning up right now in America <laughs> if he, yeah, went into the circuits. Oh so, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. money and women, you know, <laughs> fame wise, you know what I mean? He's probably much more right. handsome than a lot of the individuals who are talking about their alien experiences. Well, that's not really a that's not really a hard thing to achieve. So, as long, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, I don't know. He I'll, I'll have to show you a picture of him, but uh, yeah, he doesn't look like a you know bridge troll. So ah, okay. He's probably doing. He's gonna be doing okay for himself <laughs> in that room, honestly. <laughs> An exotic man who um has dealt with aliens. These alien girls are not gonna know what hit him. Yeah, I imagine from, well, this is uh, 2018, he had just come out of his solitary life. Maybe he's a little bit more open now, but he looked very closed off in that uh, in that documentary. Someone, so. Yeah, someone's going to want to go ahead and tell him about Manscaped and uh, clean up that <laughs> dick and balls a little bit before going out uh, meeting some of these ladies. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you got to <laughs> trim those hedges. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> many decades of growth. Well, yeah. shit. The last time, the last time he was in the game, probably no one gave a. F- yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. So now that we're through the meat of the story, I think it's time for a little uh, speculation corner with Cody and Phil. Let's do so it. So let's uh, let's go. Now I've got some bullet points here with some speculations that I've made just from my research and watching all the documentary and the videos and everything. So uh, first off, his family really is spiritually gifted, and these aliens are guides from the spirit world, just like his culture believes. Um, I would give this a pretty unlikely. Now, 
Mm-hmm. I do think culturally and perhaps in their own religious views, perhaps they actually believe that this does happen. Not necessarily that it's fake, a fake story, right? But in their belief system, they believe this actually happens. Now, I don't actually know what their official kind of like religion is in this area. It did seem like it was a mix of Christianity and maybe indigenous religion. Okay. It felt like it kind of felt like there was quite a quite a mix going on. Okay. So, which which happened a lot when the Spanish came in. Uh, they forced their religion on you know the people, and then the people kind of melded it. This is what happens with religion. It gets melded in when it's forced upon people. So, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of their gods turn into saints. That kind of situation. Well. <laughs> I guess where I'm thinking is along the lines of, let's just say you have um, a Christian person, right? And they're going, yep. or I actually saw this in Instagram com- uh, comments um, about pictures of angels, right? And all these people were talking about these angels who visited them, right? So yep. really with them believing that is no different than if they have a spiritual belief, that they're visited by X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless yep. of what the religion is, people can create their own supernatural event that happened connected to their belief systems. Oh, definitely. And that's that happens with all religions, like throughout history. There's always the supernatural phenomena or the, you know, natural phenomena that they couldn't explain at the time that they turn into their gods. The same thing's happening now. You know what I've realized, though? Angels really are big fans of people who spend their time commenting on videos on Instagram. I don't. The angels must be really attracted to those people. Oh, yeah. Or your near-death experience yeah. uh, gives you the need to uh, go into the comments section. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I watched this documentary uh, on a YouTube channel. It's probably one of those deals where it gets taken down and put back up multiple times. But the comments in this, holy shit, I had no idea there were so many people who had seen fucking UFOs and aliens and met aliens and traveled to other worlds as there are in the fucking UFO comments of these videos. All of them. Just honestly, go to any UFO documentary and read the comments and you will be astonished by the amount of contacting (laughs) Just honestly, in the comments of YouTube. Honestly, <laughs> sometimes the comments are better than the video. I'm just going to say that because <laughs> it is a wild fucking ride. Yep. And there's always religious shit in it, too. Oh, God bless you and all this stuff. It's like, Hawaii is aliens and fucking spirituality, religious belief. Always pound it so well together. I never get that. Um, but. One quick thing here. So my favorite is when you're watching like a, a paranormal video or something and then there's comments of people being like I reject this negative entity you may not visit me and I'm like do you think the fucking whatever spirit is reading the Instagram comments <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah oh my god just the amount of people sucking their own fucking dick it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's insane <laughs> it's in fucking insane next up He did see something strange. However, he stretched the truth on how far that encounter went. So maybe he did see something strange in the sky, but then kind of built upon it. 
which does happen with a lot of these kind of contactee stories. Yeah. Yeah, this one, um, yeah. I think this one, yeah, like you said, is more common than we think, especially since all the alien bullshit we've covered on this show. Like, this one is a very reoccurring theme. I actually think maybe if not enough people are paying attention to your initial story, you got to you gotta spice it up a little bit, right? Yep. Kind, kind of like Slipknot, okay? So they started out, no masks, nobody liked them. Put on the masks, all of a sudden they're one of the biggest new metal bands in the world. You know, sometimes you got to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, you go from being just some, you know, Iowa kids who play heavy metal, and now <laughs> now you got something. You got to put some sizzle on that steak, yeah. or else it's just yep. fucking meat. Yep, yep, Definitely. exactly. Um, and now Corey Terry took off the mask and is kind of a pretentious solo singer, so he's kind of came full circle. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you, What do you feel about this one? Well, I'm not exactly sure about this story as much um i do believe that this story has been stretched not because of him i believe that he was basically like you know living in solitude while that story kind of marinated for 30 years but the story did really i think get away from him is kind of what it feels like Uh, i will say though it does happen quite a fucking bit with these paranormal stories every time you question them about their encounter it always either stretches a little bit elaborate a little bit more kind of you know add the sizzle to it or you know when it's maybe it's not that good of a story they kind of want to prop it up a little bit too we watched that documentary about all of the people who had their abductee stories back in like the 50s and 60s and you know how their eyes always open wide you know it's kind of like that thing like it's their drug yeah telling that story yeah yeah i know i know exactly what you mean yeah i this is zach baggins is literally the embodiment of this philosophy that you just (laughs) laid out so yeah it's very prevalent yeah people who have the near-death experiences and the angel sightings they have the same thing yeah that yeah wide eye yeah unblinking fucking like storytelling absolutely yeah when he was younger and trying to give interviews, he did seem like he was a shy kid because he did not give a very good interview in his like teenage years after this. Now he kind of has a story straight a little bit better. So, I mean, I, honestly, though, when I was 14, 15, I could not give a good fucking interview to save. My life. <laughs> so, dude, there's be- <laughs> you knew me back then. Yeah, I knew you back. Here's the thing, though. Keep in mind. I, I think there's people our age who probably still can give give a good interview. I actually think this podcasting has helped tremendously in that department. I don't know if you feel that way, but uh, oh, but yeah, yeah it, uh, it it's weird how it works. So if you got a little bit of public speaking fear or anxiety, just start a podcast. You'll get <laughs> you'll get right over that. Definitely. Just make sure that you pretend like no one's listening. Yeah, that's how I do yep, it. Yep, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next up, there was some kind of mental illness that seems to have ran through their. No, you kind of you actually kind of went a little bit on this. Yes, I would. My theory of mom said it. So kids said it. Here's the thing. I don't I think it can be a little advantageous to just say people who have these beliefs are. Um, you know, suffering from some sort of mental illness, which 
could be a case, but there's plenty of people I've met in my life who have these exuberant stories about this secret paranormal gene that's been passed down from generation to generation, and everyone's just kind of sharing it, you know, kind of, I, I think this is my strongest theory Mom said the story, you know, maybe she's wrapped up deeply in her spiritual beliefs, told the story, and now son wants to be like mom and has replicated the story, but unfortunately his story uh, got a lot more flack than mom's story did. Yeah, uh, his story hit at a different time. Yeah. Um, and then it got a little bit out of control and uh, he might have had to run away from it a little bit. I will say, if you've ever met any white person who claims <laughs> to be 116th Cherokee Indian, ask them about some kind of, you know, special ability that they might have because they're going to have one. Yeah. So it's always like the 116th, 132nd, something like that. Something where you could kind of be like, oh, well, you know, that's what your great great grandmother or something like that. They're always going to have something that goes along with that. You know, I actually think 23andMe has been good for this because they have com almost completely obliterated that. And now that has been replaced with I've heard a lot more people being like, oh, I'm like 2%, you know, African-American like that. It's shifted for for what I've heard now. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I don't really. Well, I live in Arizona. True. So true. a lot of people here just don't give a f <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So, um, uh, there's there's not a lot of woke. Let's just say there's not a lot of woke whites out woke here. Woke whites. They don't okay. really woke whites. They don't really move out here to Arizona. Um, you know, maybe maybe in downtown Phoenix, but not in Scottsdale, not where I'm living, not in fucking Mesa. They don't give a fuck out here. Uh, pro tip for everyone. If somebody is kind of annoying and they say, hey, I've heard I have X, Y and Z uh, indigenous people uh, blood in my system, um, challenge them to go ahead and get a genealogy thing done. Um, and then you can prove them wrong that it does, in fact, not exist. Mm. Yeah, it's all from the fucking CIA psyop <laughs> trying to catch the fucking serial killers out there. Very true. <laughs> Very true. So, yeah, that kind of rounds out a little bit about him copying his mother. The one that I was thinking of, maybe, is there some kind of mental illness that maybe, you know, you always hear that, oh, we, you know, this person must be crazy or this person must have this, you know, that, uh, that book has gotten a lot thicker over the years too, of you know, whatever kind of mental illnesses someone can have. Um, I really don't think though that he's crazy. You watch, I mean, he does seem like very introverted. He seems a little shy when you watch a documentary, but I don't really think he's, you know, like full on, you know, making it up, you know, that kind of thing. I think he definitely, he definitely believes what he saw. From watching that documentary. I will say that. Okay. Okay. He so, believes what he's saying. He believes that he did see that. Okay. Okay. I, I could believe that. Like I said, this might cross into a cultural belief for that he's this big lineage of, I don't want to say psychics, but gifted spirit people. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck you call it. Yeah. They are... There's... Every village, they were saying, kind of has these, like, shaman 
type spiritual leaders. And they're kind of saying that what he has, they have as well. So they might just be clout chasing, you know, trying to (laughs) get the rub. But definitely he believes. And also, too, not only that this happened, that he has these premonitions. Okay. So, All right. The whole bag. Basically. The whole bag. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, one theory I want to toss out real quick. What if this is simply Juan is maybe, you said he seemed kind of shy, right? In the, yep. when he was younger. Maybe this was just a kid who was kind of, it seemed like his dad was kind of a dick. A kid who's, you know, maybe kind of shy, kind of neglected, maybe looking for, somebody to pay attention to him and then unravels the story. Yeah. Just like we were talking about lonely farm kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has a lot of time to himself on that horse out there thinking about stuff, you know, making shit up. So yeah. could be something like that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I just kind of has been thinking about that, especially when you said he was shy as a child. Yeah. I've been kind of leaning towards that uh, since I started like looking into this is that kind of that's why the in, that's where the intro came was that it's um I kind of did stray away from it but really you know humans aren't supposed to be kind of out on their you know like he no. probably was for a lot of his early years yeah yeah um yeah exactly like i mean not aliens but lonely kids who kind of feel like nobody pays attention to them will say some crazy shit sometimes you know what i mean oh yeah definitely <laughs> So next up, uh, I'm going to actually add one before I get to the last one. So my next one is that maybe his horse did get spooked by something in the fog and he might have like fallen down, maybe got knocked out and had some sort of sleep paralysis dream or one of his crazy dreams that he thinks are premonitions. So he thinks that this all happened. Okay. Okay. So this is kind of, I've been molding this theory a little bit in my head that something happened to him while he was out there. He had some kind of uh, hallucination and then he came up with all this. So he does believe that he saw it, but maybe it never actually happened. That's a good point. He believes he has this family gene that makes him spiritually gifted. He had a yep. very vivid, possibly wet dream um, had this encounter and then believes that it actually happened in real life. Yeah, potentially. And also, too, maybe it just kind of, you know, his brain gave him that dream because he thought he was ready for that. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, my mom's special. I'm going to be special, too. That sort of thing. Let's so, just say that's that. That's just, honestly, that's speculation very much, you know. You know, he's 12, right? Um, yeah. We all remember puberty. Uh, <laughs> It's a yep. weird time for young people, so I mean, maybe there's some of that going in here, too. Yeah, and it's also good to mention, too, uh, a lot of mental illness does manifest itself during puberty. So if that was happening, he may have developed it at that, like, right away at that point. So <laughs> could be, you know, did he seem like when you're watching modern one, did it seem like he had some mental illness of some kind? Uh, possibly on the spectrum a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll point you towards the documentary. You can watch it. You might notice it too. Okay. All right. I might do that actually. Yeah. Last up, of course, faking it. Yeah. Just like a woman's orgasm. Um, yeah, I, 
I yeah, I don't know. I for the first time ever, I think on this show, I don't like this one. I think he mm. I think there's either in my perspective, either he's copying his mom from what she said because the stories are like identical almost, or perhaps there is a cultural belief that he believes this happened, or this story was created to solidify that he is spiritually gifted culturally. Potentially, but then why did he spend the next 30 years by himself? And you kind of get the idea or the impression when you watch him tell the stories. He really does not like talking about it. Well, like whenever, whenever we've talked about kind of contactees before, they love telling their story. <laughs> you can see it when they give interviews. Oh, fuck, do they? They probably have a fucking just a, like, as hard as it's fucking. Yeah, dead. big ass. You know, dead. like, yeah. this guy does not like talking about it. Okay. Like, you have to warm him up, at, especially at this time. They had to warm him up, like, over days to get him to start talking. So, okay. So, how about this, though? If this is, he's an isolated farm kid, right? Story comes out, gets some attention. You know, when he's hanging out with these horses pigs and cows uh they're not busting his balls constantly story comes out and it's just like every bully in argentina is just destroying him simultaneously and he can't handle it yeah he was getting the wrong type of attention yeah the type of attention yeah. he didn't want yeah possibly yeah yeah i mean this village might be nice to him now right but when he was a little i can only imagine they were probably roasting the shit out of him Oh, definitely. Yeah, I imagine he did not have a, a very easy time of it. though. I don't. I mean, honestly, Jesus, keeping it up for what now over 30 years. That's quite a long time to keep this all up, though. It was probably really easy during the decades where he didn't have to tell the story. So, I mean, he probably just recited it to his horses every night and then it just kind of. He memorized it, and after 30 years, he's got the perfect story laid out. He's got a lot of time to think by himself. Oh, true, definitely. And like I mentioned before, this isn't the only alien contact that he has. He has a ton of stories about his premonitions. He has a ton of stories about like seeing crafts. He even talks in the documentary about like he doesn't like the nighttime or going to sleep because that's like when the fucking alien ufos are flying over so huh okay all right well i don't know okay in the i think i have my theory that i like what is your personal favorite i actually didn't think about it like i said before i like your theory about how his mom had these supposed premonitions so he thought that he should have them too um yeah and then they kind of got out of control he didn't like the attention he was getting yeah, I do. I do really like that one. I'm going to say this is the first time he's not just going for it for the fame or for the attention. You can definitely tell from watching him kind of how he tells these stories, how he acts. I will say this is the most I will give this 25 percent. He actually saw aliens. OK, because so you just because he I never give anything more than. No, you I will do not. give it about 25% because you watch him speak about it and you're like, he's not fucking making this up. 
Maybe he didn't actually see fucking UFOs and aliens, but he believes he does. Like, yeah. and he's not just doing it, you know, <laughs> for the fuckery. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see that too. Um, maybe I'll have, I, I need to watch this. Um, you know, kind of see what you mean. Read his facial expressions and what he's saying and all in all of that. I think I think I'm gonna do that over this weekend, and uh, we'll probably come back and talk about that in the beginning of next week's episode but um what i want to know phil is if anybody knows where the pittsburgh <laughs> Pist- <laughs> what would it be pittstonian shamans are hiding at uh where can they contact us phil they can hit us up on our email subliminal d podcast at gmail.com i uh, love hearing all the you know the good, the bad, the stories, the ideas for episodes. Love hearing it all. Even easier way to get a hold of us on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Same thing, the likes, the shares, the messages. Um, unless you're honestly trying to sell us something or have us sell something for you, don't fucking bother us. But they are not actually watching this fucking listening to this podcast anyways. Is the easiest way. If you have any episode ideas, we love to hear them. Um, also, Cody has his own Instagram account. What is that, Cody? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody's Above. Give me a follow. Uh, send me a message. Do anything you would like there. Um, I greatly appreciate it. The last thing we ask guys to do is log on to iTunes, leave show five star review. Doesn't particularly matter what you type in said box. Type something. Type. Terry Bradshaw is the greatest shaman Pittsburgh's ever seen and uh, hit five stars, hit submit. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just hit five stars, hit submit, and you're all done. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to do that for us. We greatly appreciate it. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this beautiful alien story. I can never get enough aliens, and I've never even heard of this motherfucker. So good job, Phil. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.